Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Gobeski Wallace Report. My name is Charlie Wallace. And I'm Adam Gobeski. And please welcome our four uh, widowed guests. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Adam, there's something you want to tell us? <laughs> are you no longer are you no longer with us? <laughs> I I'm now a ghost dad, yeah. <laughs> we have Brianne Gobeski. Thanks for having me. Paul Wilcox. It's great to be here. Doug Gobeski. Hello. And special guest star Tony Huff. Hey, it's good to be back. Welcome once again to March Madness. I thought, you know, since We'd had such a good time with the Mary Marvel Movie March, and I know reboots are hot right now, so we should just reboot the march and start over with Captain <laughs> America, the 1944 serial. Uh, we can do this as long as we catch up to where we were by the end of the month. It's only like two movies a day, All right? right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Easy. Slightly over. <laughs> so, let's talk about Captain America. Grant Gardner, murderous DA. <laughs> The evil sorry, genius I, at the uh, <laughs> Museum of Captain, Natural History. Sorry, no, I I realized what happened. Captain America is the story of one Dennis Captain America, who's first in line for the America Mansion, uh, and if he gets it, then he will become the DA and be able to kill criminals with impunity. And so the whole movie is a court proceeding about whether or not he has a legal right to the America Mansion. And it's called the American Mansion because the shape is of the lower 48 states. Because at the time they made it, Alaska and Hawaii weren't part of the U.S. yet. Fun fact. It's certainly a fact. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So does this hover above the ground? Like, does it balance on Florida and Texas? Or like, are they part of the basement? Oh, no, it's uh, rotated. It's Oh, oh, oh. The walls are take the shape, not the... The full structure. You know, I always thought that about the Pentagon personally, that they really should have gone for the you know, the standing Pentagon. <laughs> With those angled elevators. Yeah, I suppose as the other host of the show, I have to veto this. <laughs> Nobody else is speaking up. Well, tell you what, we can we can have all the listeners go back and start at the beginning to catch up to here. It's required. Is that sufficient? But yes, it's installment 72 of the Mary Marvel Movie March. Talking about Black Widow, the story of uh, Denise Black Widow, who was first in line to inherit the Widowmaker, which is a particular car that has three wheels. It's a Morris Minor, and it has a tendency to tip over, and so that's why they call it the Widowmaker. And she says, I don't care. My last name is Widow, so I want to drive it. And they say, okay. So please fill out these forms. So she fills out the forms and they say, well, you missed this spot here, but that's okay. We can correct it right here. And it's, it's really a a drama at the DMV in real time. You get to sit there and and wait with her as they wait for a number to be called. (laughs) Oh, so she she didn't even pre-register or anything like just walking in and taking a ticket. This is uh takes place in the past, so it's before pre-registration was a thing. Oh, my, okay. My favorite is the reassurance that she's given because she missed something in the paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> we can take care of that right now. <laughs> There's no amendment paperwork required. It's to do it right. You just sign it now. Right, Charlie? Yeah, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good synopsis of it. I mean, I guess. 
since she's a woman, then she won't necessarily die driving it. She might <laughs> kill someone else if it's the Widowmaker. <laughs> because she's a woman? <laughs> she, could, she could still have a wife, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Brand's giving right. real weird looks right you now. You know, I, the, the thing is, I thought this whole thing before you started saying this, like uh, about five minutes ago, well, two minutes ago. <laughs> so I've, I've already had this conversation with myself. Well, I like the idea that it's the Widowmaker, so people keep passing it on. only stays with somebody for, you know, a few days, and then it's bequeathed to someone else. <laughs> There's paperwork involved. <laughs> <laughs> That's Black Widow 2. Yeah, the DMV scenes are just brutal. They're like, again, a transfer of title? <laughs> Let's get to the part where they die in a crash. I, I want to go to that DMV. <laughs> where they really, like, notice that and just go nuts. <laughs> this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my 20 years here. <laughs> There's, there's like company pods. They're like, oh, guess what? Car's back. <laughs> it's the Widowmaker. <laughs> Who had Thursday in the pool? Charlie, can you improve that synopsis? Oh, Black Widow is the story of Natasha Romanoff and her family, it turns out. Not a real family, but a group of Soviet. Well, I thought they were Soviet. A group of Russian spies. Who uh, got one sentence left? Um, decide to team up and destroy the Red Room, which is a secret organization that kidnaps little girls and forces them to become killers. Great job! And it takes place in the past because Natasha oh, Romanoff yeah. is dead. Yeah. What? So the question: Had you seen it before? I saw it in theaters. It's not the first movie I saw back from the pandemic. That's still the Sparks Brothers, but uh, it was pretty early on. Maybe the second movie i saw in theaters or third this was a july 9th release i believe yeah so saw it in theaters bought the blu-ray watched it and then watched it again just now and surprisingly i have the exact same story where i saw it in the theaters <laughs> we bought the blu-ray we watched the blu-ray although i watched it last night and not just now so slightly different slightly stories. different but the same arena okay shocking I had never seen it. <laughs> it is actually slightly shocking. You were on an MCU kick for a hot second. Yeah, you're right. Uh, if it if it's on Disney Plus, I would have watched it at some point. But uh, this was one where I did not. So um, I think I was actually kind of saving it for the March. And then I don't think I knew too much about uh, Black Widow as a character, other than just context from other movies. So I had not seen this before. Nothing too interesting about it. Just. I knew I was going to have to watch it eventually anyway, so why give myself a potentially fun experience twice? <laughs> Only once for me. We <laughs> know how you work. <laughs> Same for me. I haven't seen it until uh, just a few hours ago. I guess I'm staking out the middle position here, which is I saw it in theaters. In fact, it was the last movie that I saw in theaters, and I saw like it again today. today. Yeah, I've, I have not been to the theater since. Because the Black Widow experience was that bad, or you just was like, eh, theaters are over. I mean, once you've seen the greatest movie ever, it's not like you need to see any more, right? Oh. That's how it works. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Done with movies. 
Well, I mean, <laughs> at least other movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cursed to watch only the best movie of all time. <laughs> I just want to watch a bad movie. <laughs> no. So we should probably talk a little bit about Black Widow since I double checked the Iron Man 2 podcast and we didn't because Charlie immediately got upset about S.H.I.E.L.D. So <laughs> and a bit was born. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you that that bit has ruined me because I saw S.H.I.E.L.D. in the in, in this movie and I was like, oh, God, I hate it. And I was like, why, why do I hate that? <laughs> I mean, Charlie, you, I'm on your side now. <laughs> Slow conversion. Uh, but Black Widow as a character um, starts out in the 60s initially as a villain of Iron Man. It doesn't last that long. She changes sides from the Soviets, the Russians, to the U.S. She defects, I guess, because she is a spy. Um, she gets involved with Hawkeye for a while romantically. Um, she has a terrible costume for a while before that finally gets redesigned in a Spider-Man comic in the 70s. Do yourself a favor, look up the original costume of Black Widow. It's it's a look. And so she's a lot like Iron Man and Thor, you know, kind of one of these not super A-list characters the way like Spider-Man or Wolverine are, but, you know, pretty solid B-level. She's not like down like a Guardians of the Galaxy or something like that pr- prior to the movie, I mean. As far as a Black Widow movie goes, uh, apparently there was a bit of traction in 2004. David Hayter had written a script that he really liked, David Hayter being the writer of X-Men and X2, uh, that was going to be about like nuclear weapons in post-Soviet Russia. And he said basically what happened was that a bunch of female action movies came out. And and so there were things like Tomb Raider and Kill Bill, but there were also things like Ultraviolet and Blood Rain. And he said Eon Flux actually was the one. Like Eon Flux had just come out. It had more or less made no impact at all in the box office. And then he was had a meeting like that Monday with uh, studio executives who were like, yeah, we're going to uh, put the Black Widow movie on hold. So... So that's where it stayed for a while. They introduced Black Widow, the character in Iron Man 2, obviously. So there was talk fairly early on about a Black Widow movie. But the story goes is that uh, Ike Perlmutter, who was in charge of Marvel at that point, didn't think a Black Widow movie would be successful because he didn't think female superhero movies were remotely interesting. And he pointed to examples like Elektra and Catwoman to prove his point, so to speak. All that means is that a Black Widow movie really didn't get traction until Ike Perlmutter was moved out of the picture, as we discussed back under uh, Age of Ultron, I think. It's either that or Civil War. One of those two movies, I think we discussed, or maybe Ant-Man. Somewhere in one of those podcasts that you've already listened to because you did the reboot listening, then you got to this point finally. Great job. So you know that uh, Ike Perlmutter got, they reorganized Marvel Studios so he was no longer in charge of stuff. And at that point, they could make a Black Widow movie. So they did. And then uh, the pandemic happened. Right. <laughs> no one had anticipated the uh, pandemic. Right. So the movie, which I think had been scheduled for like May or June 2020, got delayed and got delayed again and got delayed some more until it finally came out in July 2021 in a fairly unique arrangement that Charlie's going to tell us about. So this was, I can't remember what other movies had done this. Maybe none. It was a simultaneous release in theaters, but also on Disney Plus, which is a streaming service that had launched not long before that. Um, if you paid $30. Maybe 
maybe the live action Mulan or something like that was. Yes, one. that happened with that too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Black Widow was the first, but it was like close to. There were cartoons that had been released on Disney Plus at the same time in the theater around that same time. Yeah, this was a thirty dollar purchase, even if you owned Disney Plus. Was that to rent or to own? I think it was to rent because eventually came to the service anyway. Yeah. But I don't think it, I think it was you had access in the pre, I don't think it was like a one-time 48 hour rental thing or something. Oh, I see. Yeah. I think it was just, you had access to it for the $30, oh. but I might be wrong. Cause obviously I did not pay it. So like own in the same sense that buying a movie on Google play is owning it. Roughly. I think. Yeah. Okay. But it's, presented problems for a lot of reasons because nobody had really worked out at that point how streaming services were going to work around theatrical releases like this so the basic the idea is that you're eating into the profits that the movie theaters would get by allowing people just to watch it at home but not only the movie theaters but scarlett johansson right she had some sort of i don't know what the specifics of the deal that she had is but a lot of huge movie stars especially in the mcu have deals where they get money based on the box office gross so if a lot of that money instead goes to people watching on streaming then they don't get those bonuses which is not something that to be fair disney probably anticipated with the pandemic coming but then they decided like let's try out the streaming service thing and Scarjo was like, oh, hold on. If you don't do that, then I get a lot more money. So there was a large... I, I don't think this is too surprising that there was a lawsuit going on about, well, now they've denied me my bonus because they're not releasing it in theaters. But I think what was unique about it was that it was played like through PR, like trying to gain sympathy on both sides. So it's weird, bizarre things like Disney saying like, well, I guess Scarlett Johansson wants people to die of COVID by going to the movie theaters. <laughs> And just uh, her having to defend herself, which ultimately is just like typical Hollywood back and forth lawyering stuff, which was eventually settled. But it's the sort of thing that was bound to happen, like right, like at one of these first day of release on streaming service and theater simultaneous deals. Yeah, one of the uh, many reasons I think Bob Chapek is no longer in charge of Disney. <laughs> right. And it's the sort of thing, too, where I'm sure that all future contracts that have been made since then include some sort of rider to take this into account but streaming services and the pandemic and all this stuff being hammered out before either of those are really being considered yeah now the studios will make sure to have pandemic ironclad contracts. <laughs> well more like if you release it the same day on the streaming service then you're just going to give us a straight up bonus instead of like points it wasn't basically a breach of contract if i remember that because i mean the contract that she had signed was pre-pandemic obviously which is also where it got hairy is that they right. were doing all yep. of this and it was actually a breach of contract yeah i mean it that was sounds yeah right. it's it's the sort of thing that was like yeah we expect all of this will be settled before it actually goes yeah because the contract probably has like the theatrical window and well, I think it tends to be like a 90-day window or something like that. But, you know, it was to be expected, but also kind of jarring, being like, going from, yeah, she wants people to die from COVID to, yeah, we're really looking forward to our continued relationship with her now that we've settled yes. <laughs> these legal issues. <laughs> Sorry, we, we need you still. Uh, <laughs> we, we didn't mean to go so hard on the COVID stance. <laughs> That's the background. Let's talk about the actual movie. I can't stop looking at original black widow uh <laughs> outfits now I know, I looked at it. <laughs> like i'm just scrolling through so many images 
It's a it, Adam. You are correct. It is a look. <laughs> like with the like with the 60s. big the big hair version. With you know, like I love that. Like the the poof or whatever. Is yeah. What is it? Fawn or Buffon, Yeah. Buffon, yeah. Like that is just the most sixties look ever. Yes, yeah. <laughs> delightfully sixties. So, what did you think about the flashback? Flashback intro. <laughs> the whole movie is a flashback, I guess, but the flashback to the flashback in nineteen ninety five. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was it was good. I just have like pedantic questions about it. Oh, me too. <laughs> Let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly the flight. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. <laughs> How do you get back then? I think I'm from to Ohio, from Ohio to Cuba. After being like actively chased by the police, it's presumably like national level. Um, no, a shield. Oh, yeah. Police cars. Cars can't fly. Oh, so because it was shield, like the it was shield that that was. They had after. no uh, military power at their disposal. Not uh, not at that time in '95. <laughs> they couldn't yes, send, like, fact, send a jet to shoot it down or something yeah, somewhere which is, which somewhere event- going like you know prop plane speeds between ohio and cuba you know? no this event is why they got the authority to have jets subsequently <laughs> <laughs> all right all right I'm, they were I'm, like I'll see, we've it, been I, talking about this for years no more gripes <laughs> they should have just dumped it down for me though <laughs> all right, cool. Well, okay. So Adam resolved that. What's what's your next uh, uh, issue, Paul? No, that was it, or Charlie. <laughs> I guess it's not even a gripe. It was just I was confused at first because it was just thinking very much. It felt very much like the Americans. You know, it's like okay, so they're an underground group of like Soviet spies, but it's 1995. Like, what's going on? And it just took me a while to kind of grasp what was going on. Mine was. I'll, I'll admit, was I struggled with that a bit too. Wait, wait, wait. Am I too dumb to be to have even missed what a that I had missed something here? Yeah, if they've been there for three years, then okay. they were put in in 1992, aka after the Soviet Union dissolved. Okay, <laughs> so I think what we're meant to think is that Drakov is like a splinter group or something, right? Yeah, uh, you know, a proto Putin or something, and he's just out there committing sky crime. Yeah, <laughs> right. Is that character in the comics? As far as I can tell, no. This isn't. He's an original creation for the movie. Okay. Many he, of the other characters are, but he doesn't seem to be. Because it doesn't seem like they've ever talked about him in the past. Well, he operates in the shadows. I think <laughs> didn't Black Widow talk about Draco? Uh, I think she's talked about the Red Room. The Red Room. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't like, know if she's okay. talked about him Cause specifically. Because isn't it like when she, she has like a flashback or something in one of the Avengers movies and she's like in the, the Red Room. Yeah. She's a ballerina or something. And, yeah. Because they, they get the Red Room itself is from the comics. So although I don't know if the Red Room is a floating platform in the comics. I, I get that. I mean, I understand it because. They're just in an awkward time where, like, okay, when she was a child, like, the whole Soviet spy intrigue stuff doesn't make any sense. So we have to kind of create something for all this to come together. Like, if uh, the whole MCU had happened, you know, 10, 15 years earlier, then I don't think we would have had to do any of the gymnastics to get there. But I say it only confused me. I I understood by the time, you know, we were about halfway through the movie. Oh, okay. It's just this completely different group. That they happen to be teaming up with. It's just a Bond villain. Exactly. That's why they were watching Bond. <laughs> yeah, a little bit on the nose. I liked that part. I thought that was cool. 
I didn't mind it that much, but it, it, you have to admit it was on the nose. Well, I thought it was great that she was quoting it. Like she was repeating the entire thing as she was watching it, which I thought was a cute yeah. little touch. But before we get to Moonraker, I just want to briefly talk about my least favorite part of the entire movie. Okay. And that is, I don't know who thought it was a good idea to do a weird, slowed down acoustic version of Smells Like Teen Spirit. <laughs> oh my God. Like, like that some like smells like teen spirit is not an influential song because of the lyrics. <laughs> that was the first thing I wrote down to that tripped me out. I was just like, what the F is this? S? Yeah. I was uh, like, it's going to get awkward. So, um, I have to confess that, uh, when I watched this in the theaters, I was pretty bewildered because I, I was like, this sounds like zombie, but those aren't the right words. <laughs> like, I swear to you, and listening to it again, it is the same dirge-like sound of the Cranberry song, Zombie. I, I can actually see where you're coming from. It uh, Honestly, it took me a moment to figure out, like, I was like, am I actually listening to what I'm listening to? <laughs> Like it, it, it really took me by not necessarily by surprise, but like out of the movie. <laughs> oh, um, and to have that song being played over the horrors of what they're doing to these kids, it yeah. doesn't even make sense. Like I was listening to the lyrics, I'm like, none of these lyrics actually match up with what's happening either. Yeah, and it's the weird yeah. like yeah horror stuff that's happening to the kids, but also like stock footage, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Bill Clinton. <laughs> Is that just supposed to show time? Uh, he was walking was with the, you know, yeah. the bad guy Drakeoff was with, right. yeah, Drakeoff was yeah. with yeah. Bill Clinton or whatever. But even so, of course, like explosions like, and oil on Here's fire all of the people being, yeah, here's all the people being assassinated. All of the horrors of the world that are being triggered by the Red Room's assassins. Oh. Yeah, that to me just felt like a major misstep from a movie that generally I thought was doing things reasonably well. And that just came, I, felt like it just came out of left field. Just like, this is, no. Like, I remember in the movie theater, it took me probably like 15 minutes to get back on board with the movie because I was so annoyed by that. <laughs> so I'm going to have to disagree with you on this one. Other than it being bewildering, I didn't mind it at all. Like, I, I didn't take any sort of uh, a moral objection to it like you or such. All, those, in my, wound all those who vote for me. I, <laughs> I was not that. No, I mean, I don't think it was a moral. Yeah, thing. it's not. Don't, yeah. don't put your moralism on us. Yeah. I just, it was disorienting. <laughs> I just hated it. Yeah. Well, I'll say you See, he hated it. He took moral insult just, to it. I just like, at, a, at one, like when they're, I don't know, just at one point where it's like, okay, I don't think anyone should be like, slowly singing about their libido right now <laughs> <laughs> but this is a thing that i've seen recently like movies and tv shows are going on this trend of taking these songs and playing them like this i recently just watched the show uh red rose and they took the song barbie girl oh yeah and played it in minor being sung slowly by a choir of little children oh wow that's hmm. like that's some that's okay. some like horror film Right there. <laughs> I blame Donnie Darko for this. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. That's where it all started. It. 
It's like, like like little girls singing "Ring Around the Rose." And you're like, jeez. <laughs> So I'm so, yeah. curious if you guys had any ideas of what a good 90s song that would be kind of representative of the era that they could have done this with instead. Machine Head? It's probably something Radiohead. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't be able oh. to get the rights to Radiohead, but probably something Radiohead. Or that's probably, play. yeah. You could just play Radiohead. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying is I don't know if Tom York's going to be like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll sign away the rights. Yeah, who's the only person that agreed to it? <laughs> what do you want to use? Karma Police? Let's... <laughs> Creep? <laughs> Creeps they might as well give away. Yeah. Yeah. That would be the only one I could see him giving the, the rights away. And he's like, it in, now you're taking the live performance rights with this, right? As, as long as you don't credit it as being from written by Radiohead. You have to cover it, but but you it's yours now <laughs> you take responsibility yeah but yeah once we got past that i was back on board with the movie eventually sooner on subsequent viewings i thought the movie took a long time to get going i didn't like the beginning of the movie made you feel dumb it made me feel like i was missing something on disney plus which is like my fear for like these movies coming up is that I'm just going to be, and then I'm going to come on the podcast like, oh, okay. So you actually had to watch this one moment on She-Hulk. And I'm like, oh, okay. We're not quite there yet. We got a couple movies to go before that. Before it goes full, I got to watch. Hey, it. watch Disney Plus TV shows. Yeah. Watch WandaVision so you can actually understand what's going on. No. And Doctor Strange too. Yeah. No. Um. All right, so are you done nitpicking the beginning? Can we move yes. on to the rest of the movie, or should we just stay here? No, thank you. Did you well, want to I mean, talk we, about the shield? We could talk more about. Uh, oh, we'll the, get to the shield. The Americana shots. Oh, the football game. Yeah, football. The uh, the American flag bridge lights. I'll be honest. I was just looking at like the mid '90s like signs, like oh, it's Hardee's, the way it used to look. <laughs> <laughs> The way that I remember it yeah, right. <laughs> when, I, when I dream at night. The way it should be. Well, nostalgia for different things. Some people like the American flag. Some people like vintage <laughs> fast food signs. <laughs> I'm definitely in the latter category. Good. So you don't like the American flag, Charlie? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> He's not Charlie, gonna Charlie is culturally <laughs> half American. He's not fat, but he does love burger. <laughs> I like that I just got dismissed. That's awesome. <laughs> I see. I see you setting a trap. <laughs> We're moving oh, on. Oh, it was a full <laughs> trap too. Because and you knew it was going to be a full court press with Adam and Doug. <laughs> I, I leave Paul out of it because he's a real America boy. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> so I believe this is the final appearance of William Hurt in the MCU. Aw, R.I.P. William Hurt being General Ross. Oh. He got started in uh, the Ed Norton Hulk, right? Yes. Yeah, he's he's like a guy chasing Black Widow at the beginning and the end of the movie. Yeah. Why did I think he was Tony Stark's dad? I mean, he does <laughs> kind of look like him, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> that must have led to some interesting questions about the movie you were watching. <laughs> I have it written down. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why is Tony Stark's dad chasing black widow i don't understand well i knew it was in the past but i'm like it's not that far in the past 
And then they're talking about Tony Stark. I'm like, okay, I must have misunderstood. I'm glad. Okay, good. I'm glad that I'm up to speed. He looked like he was CGI'd, though, pretty, like, hardcore. I don't think so. I think that's just how he looked at that point. Yikes. I mean, he's, like, 10 years older than he probably was when he did Incredible Hulk. Sure. Yeah. Maybe I just thought it was uh, uh, CGI because I thought it was Tony Stark's dad. (laughs) 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 My brain wasn't allowing (laughs) the difference of opinion. (laughs) CGI had his nose, his hairline, his... (laughs) (laughs) It made him look like a completely different person. Yeah, it's it's almost like, at that point, just do a different character altogether. (laughs) They expect us to believe this? (laughs) <laughs> i liked the fake out of she was on the the ferry and not in the building oh yeah that was a good one i just thought that i had blinked and missed a scene where she escaped <laughs> she was on a ferry <laughs> are you kidding me i'm not <laughs> i have no, no I, idea I, what happened i can see where you would it was get like that. did i turn away for a second did i just look at my phone what happened <laughs> i i thought she was in the building and then she just ends up on a ferry oh. and i'm like how did she get out <laughs> Wow, they did they did a really good job for you. Yeah, <laughs> I was fooled, just like William Hurt. I'm in good company. April Fool. <laughs> what y'all think of Taskmaster, the Sorry. person with the skull face? <laughs> I was like, oh, so that's the that's from Spider Man the game. That's where. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, I was like, I know that character. <laughs> you really got you really got to just go right in on one of the main things that I disliked about this movie, huh? What'd you dislike? Well, because you're a big Taskmaster fan, and this is a fairly radical departure from the comic version? Unironically, yes. I wasn't being ironic. I was just... Taskmaster is great because he's like a working guy's supervillain. He has superpowers, but, you know, for him, it's just a job. He's not one of these take-over-the-world psycho people. He's just, you know, like, oh, yeah, you want to pay me to do some stuff? Yeah, I'll do some stuff for you. And, you know... Mercenary? Kind of mercenary slash educator. He also likes to train villains on how to do villainy or it's possibly be an origin story. I don't know. But you know, I mean, he's got a freaking name like Tony something. Like he's just this dude. And so to just make him be this this mute, you know, mind controlled person with basically no personality, it hurts. It hurts to see him do my boy Taskmaster like that. I'm sorry. I think it's interesting, the idea of task the Taskmaster being the one doing the tasks. Like, I'm a Taskmaster. I don't know. I always thought of the Taskmaster as the one handing down the task. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the way you said Not it, like, you need a task? I'll get it done. I'm the Taskmaster. <laughs> the way you said that, Paul, reminded me of like the Paul Rudd, Tim and Eric thing where he's... He's going to work. I got a lot of work today. <laughs> Can I see a hat wobble? <laughs> Can I get a flargan stat? <laughs> a nude tane. <laughs> but so Taskmaster is part of the comics. Is it part of the Black Widow comic? Or I mean Paul had uh, something about Spider Man? Originally a Captain America villain, I believe. Does Taskmaster generally have the ability to copy other people's abilities by watching them? Yes. Yes. Which I like the idea. It was just kind of like, well, who did we get? We got Captain America and we got Hawkeye, right? Is there anyone else in particular we saw? I guess maybe 
Black Widow. Black Panther. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. I actually kind of liked the fact that they did spin that character on its head. The in the whole, context of the movie, you mean? In the context of the movie, yeah. Because, no, maybe they could have given her a, a different name. Maybe she didn't have to be Taskmaster. But I did like that they gender-bended it. I did like that they took a different route with it. Because this movie was so, so female-driven that it was kind of nice for that twist to also be part of that, too. Because that would be something, as if you're familiar with the character, that's something that you would not have expected. Right. And I thought that that was kind of a really interesting way to twist it in the context of this movie. And I think it fit pretty well, especially adding the twist that it, you know, as I know we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but adding the twist that it's the daughter adds an even another, another level, not only for the protagonist being Black Widow, but also for the overall sense of there's so much positive and negative women influence in this movie i thought it was kind of a really neat way of bringing that in i also like that it showed that black widow's really bad at assassinating people (laughs) yeah she can't even kill a child right (laughs) she just didn't confirm it but it kind of goes to like the the hero right is like heroes are not really supposed to kill even when they are doing things in the name of good right so well that's what yelena says to her at one point right about her being the killer that little girls look up to or something right well yeah i mean there's a ton of that like uh red guardian starts like i'm so proud of you girls you've assassinated more people than you know anybody like like it's (laughs) the ledgers must be dripping red the fatherly speech of the (laughs) anti-father yeah you know what i mean and and you can see that that both of them are like reject that but i mean black widow actually has something where she believes she's killed these two people. She wrestles with that, and now they're both alive. But then I guess they kill Drakoff. But that's just apparently a necessary evil. But definitely felt remorse for the daughter. It was nice to see that she could at least redeem herself through that. Well, at the very end, I thought it was also really nice. And I know, again, we're jumping ahead. But that they all saw her as an equal. That she was just as damaged and just yeah. as used and manipulated as the rest of them. Yeah, absolutely. And that they took care of her along with each other. And I think that's one of my favorite parts in the movie is that even though she was this massive villain, she was just under control, just like under his control, just like everybody else. And who knows, Doug, maybe that's the start of her origin story. And then she'll be actually follow through with the mentality and she becomes a mercenary. And it's just, <laughs> you know, can't yeah. remember if so, they said she was going to be on Thunderbolts or not. She I might. mean, I wish I could see it your way, but to give you some context for how I feel, they they put out a Taskmaster limited series comic a couple years back, and I don't know how many people out there were like, oh yeah, Taskmaster, I gotta read that, but I was absolutely one of them. So it was just such a big rug pull for me. That, like, there's just no recovering from it for me. So Taskmaster's one of your favorite characters, then, you'd say? Actually, yeah. He's definitely a top-tier villain. Yeah, I guess I can see if they introduced Nova and it turned out to be not Richard Ryder, I'd probably be upset. So I can see where you're coming from. It's interesting to hear you say that, Brianne and Doug, because as somebody who doesn't know who the Taskmaster was until you just told me... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but I, I don't think the name was the name Taskmaster even used during the movie. Yeah, uh, they 
said like, like the Taskmaster protocol okay. or something. Yeah, okay. I did at the beginning, but well, I, I missed it. Yeah. In any case, when it got to the reveal, it was like, well, I know who this is, right? There's no other character in the movie that isn't accounted for. So it's either that or it's a reveal that means nothing because we don't know who it is. So it was not a surprise Hawkeye. to me at all. <laughs> I actually... Charlie, I mean, yeah, I, I, I was like thinking it was going to be like an Avenger or, or, like, or something, you know, along those lines. And then I was like, oh, it's just his daughter? Okay. <laughs> I mean, it could have just been a mercenary that he hired, right? I mean, like, I guess, yeah. And also not knowing the comics, though, like, I didn't know if there was some, like, deep villain, you know, within the the Black Widow, like, storyline that people would be like, whoa. Oh, it's Blorko. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the Flem. <laughs> the Flem Flam Bros. The Flem. It's tame. <laughs> Easier to entertain you. So how did we feel about uh, David Harbour as the Red Guardian? So can I say the that? Crimson Dynamo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's that's a comic joke because there's an Iron Man villain called the Crimson Dynamo, who's <laughs> oh, also okay. a Soviet. I kind of figured that had to come from somewhere. Yeah. Like, you don't just say Crimson Dynamo. Can I say I really enjoyed like the Red Guardian's performance and being some like comedic relief and yeah. kind of the the yeah. poor the poor man's like Captain America and I feel like they could have gone full Captain America but they like he had the shield at some points but it never became like his identity with the shield you know what I mean like yeah. I thought I thought they did a really good job of like having him in there playing like just the stupid like Hulk like <laughs> character you know I don't know I, I really yeah, without I, him the movie's pretty bleak. Like no. Oh yeah, that was good. I was gonna say. I don't know. Florence Pugh's got a, a bunch of funny lines as Yelena. Oh, she's hilarious. Yeah, that's true. Oh. They have. They have she threatens good. to steal the show. Honestly. Yeah, Yelena is like by far the funniest character in the entire film, and like this film wrestles with a lot of dark issues. Yeah. And I thought, I thought the um, there were a lot of moments of of like genuine comedy that broke it up that didn't take you away and it wasn't cheap you know like it was actually like you could tell the chemistry within like the group was uh was genuine i i thought that was like the redeeming quality of the entire movie because like the issues are just so dark but can we talk a bit about the thing that we're clearly meant to talk about i don't know what the answer is but kind of where i wish kevin was here but did we mention that Kevin couldn't be here because he lost power? No. And, and he sends his regrets? Well, now we did. So, um, But Red Guardian seems pretty confident that he was fighting Captain America in the 80s. Oh, yeah. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> so who was he fighting? He was lying. I think he was lying. I think he just wanted so badly to, like, as, you know, a former Soviet, he just feels, wants so bad to have fought Captain America that he just makes that up and knows that people can't question him or if they do <laughs> something bad which, will happen not not which i would just, have thought up to that point but then he says he asks natasha about it oh and what is he yeah, yeah like huh. he really believes in his heart it I, might be I, one of those where he like he thought it was something he did something and it wasn't even like time frame wise but it was something so small and minor that in his mind that it was huge i think it's that there's another captain america that we don't know about yet 
Uh, I, I think this be. is a great way to bring in multiverse nineteen ninety Captain America. Multiverse. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, what's Matt Salinger doing? <laughs> he also wasn't on Frozen until nineteen ninety. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh, I mean, what was was that movie set in the year it released? I think so. Aren't there like newspaper <laughs> clippings and stuff? Yeah. Darn. Well, when was Ned Beatty president? <laughs> Let me. Re- I guess we'll never resolve this time. Ned Beatty wasn't president. He was the reporter. Oh, right. (laughs) Oh, you're right. The president was the president. Thank you, Mr. President. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, that is interesting that you say that, Adam, because, like, Captain America goes back and puts, like, takes back those stones to different timelines. So I guess it is possible that he could have fought... If he was, you know, taking things back and then Captain America does kind of come back through that loop. Yeah, that's Ooh, a thought. Yeah, you know what I mean? A long way around. Yeah, because he, he goes back to be with his wife or girlfriend or wh- whoever she is. Like, who's to say that Captain America doesn't find himself in a in a moment? And then, like, you know, obviously he's not being Captain America and he maybe, like, beats him or something. You know what I mean? That's an interesting, like thought at the very least yeah maybe he goes back to the 70s to return that one from at the base and get stuck there for 10 years right (laughs) but i also thought that oh well they must be setting up then he's gonna make a big deal about fighting taskmaster because taskmaster has captain america's powers and then it's like he's beating captain america and then he was and that didn't really come up yeah sorry i disappoint you yeah (laughs) But I, I really I really enjoyed his his presence. I thought they did a good job. I loved the suit. They just <laughs> oh, yeah. to put the suit on. That was so funny. And they just hear him in like the bathroom making horrible sounds. <laughs> Still fits. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I was asked I was watching the outtakes and he actually gets stuck in his suit. And he's got the picture where his hands are through the arms. He can't get his head through. When he actually looks at the camera, he goes, no, guys, like, really, I'm stuck. <laughs> I actually really like the the part where, you know, he's singing, goes at American Pie or whatever. Yeah. To um, Elena. And the part where it's like, today's the day I'm going to die or something. <laughs> like, and then the light goes, boom. <laughs> I've, I, seen this, like, I've seen this movie multiple times, and I still jumped at that moment. I, I totally jumped. <laughs> like, even knowing it was coming, I was still like, oh. Yeah. And I figured there was going to be something, you know. Like, it was too too good of a line for there not to be a jump scare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really love that in 1995, a child was like being like, play American Pie. (laughs) (laughs) This is my song. (laughs) Wait, were you were you not in 1995? No, I probably didn't know what that song was. I'm pretty sure I did. All the all the time spent listening to the oldie station. It's the tape that your dad has in the car for my my dad. How old were you in 95, Doug? Ten. So it would have been earlier than that, but sure. So I also liked when they're in the helicopter. I think as Yelena says, uh, guys, we don't have enough fuel to get to St. Petersburg. And he's like, just like a dad would say, nah, we're fine. Yeah. Totally fine. And the next scene, the helicopter literally crashes <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. Although part of me wondered why it fell straight down and not at an angle. <laughs> oh, she's a good pilot. Oh, okay. That makes <laughs> sense. Yeah. 
I was, I was sometimes when that, for some reason, when that happened, I was like, oh, and now this is an adventure movie. Yeah. This is like cro- crossing Russia on foot. Yeah. <laughs> Slaying some dragons and stuff. <laughs> Encountering some wizards. <laughs> but yeah, I think Florence Pugh is, is great as Yelena. I really like Red Guardian, but she might be my favorite character in the movie. Yeah, she's good in anything. Is think, she good uh, in Don't Worry, Darling? She is. <laughs> she's the best she's part the of the movie <laughs> of a not very good movie. And Chris Pine's in it, too. Chris Pine's good. I was going to say that um, I love the dynamic between Yelena and Natasha. It is so sisterly that my sister and I actually were talking about this movie after we both saw it. And we have talked about the vest conversation. <laughs> I love the vest. Because we have had that same conversation. I mean, about other things, but it's basically the exact same thing. It is so sisterly when she's like admits that she likes the best. And she's like, I know, right? (laughs) Her thing was, you can put so many things in them and you don't even know. Like, (laughs) it's so real. (laughs) Yeah. And like genuine. It makes me wonder if it was ad-libbed. Yeah. And the way that they they make fun of each other too. Like I love like one of the first things she does like, why do you always like go into this like fighting position yeah. <laughs> and, and do your hair like this? With the arm and the hair. I like when she tries it later and then she's like, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> such a poser. It's a good, uh, it's a good callback for sure. So I agree. I think I really like their relationship and how funny that is. I, it feels like the other relationships between the quote-unquote family members, though, like they're good, they're funny, but it almost seems like they're in a from a different movie, like subject matter-wise. It's like really weird that they come to terms with being a family, even though like the mom and dad abandoned them to basically put them into slavery, <laughs> right? I mean, they attempt to deal with that, but it's... Like, the sisterly thing I get, because they didn't, like, betray each other, really. I mean, I guess Natasha didn't come back, quote-unquote, right? But, so that just feels more real in that sense, but... I guess being sent to prison for the rest of your life counts as abandonment, sure. But I don't think it was necessarily a willful choice on his part. That is true. You could probably make the argument that, yeah, because the Red Guardian was in prison, but he, it wasn't. But they showed up to Cuba, and he's like, yeah, see you later. <laughs> Have fun with the rest of your life. He's like, and I'll he's handle like, yeah, this we... and distract them while they tranquilize them. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, he might have been like, I was going to go back, but then they threw me in prison, you know, something like that. I don't know. I'm just trying to not think about the darker side of things like <laughs> about this dark dark movie right. just ignore the dark dark the, parts of the, the dark the, dark the, movie. the human traffic <laughs> portion of it yeah, yeah. Right. well adam doesn't like that because I, it was interspersed with smells like teen spirit yeah. exactly <laughs> like yeah if it was just i mean they could have it would have made a huge difference to me if somehow in that cuba scene like they get there and like oh we're uh, back on david harbour yeah and rachel vice like don't know that the two kids are going to be taken from them, right? But it's like, no, they know. Yeah. You lied to us. You said that we were going to be a family forever. <laughs> I thought we were going on the center. I can kind of see where you're coming from, Charlie, with the, the Cuba scene and them kind of like the two parents saying like, yeah, we knew. But I think Rachel Vice's character 
Milena. Milena. <laughs> There's a Yelena and a Milena. A and Yelena. It was yeah. so occasionally Milena confusing, but yeah. Actually cared for those two girls because she kept giving them advice as to pain can only make you stronger and don't let them take your heart, which I guess could allude to the fact that she knew that they were going to be taken, but she was incapacitated. There was nothing she could do to help them. And that was the best that she could do. He distracted them while they tranquilized them and then kidnapped them. But then I found an interesting dynamic because when they came to see her, it was almost like, I don't know, I felt a weird dynamic with her too. Like she went back to being the spy, so to speak, rather than that loving mother that they had started to see while they were there for those three years. Yeah, it's just so it, it just ends up being really weird. And like, I can't quite place how all of it works. Like, I get it. Can't we just have a feel good movie about human <laughs> trafficking? <laughs> and found families. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm with uh, with Brienne because uh, the the whole pig scene, like where she's like making it stop breathing, gave me so much anxiety. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm you're like, gonna, like, Who you're is gonna reset psycho? that pig. Yeah, like who's the psycho that she's like? Oh, it's fine. He's got 11 seconds left. Like <laughs> you've made like like Natasha says, you made your point. <laughs> like, <laughs> Does anyone have any nitpicks about their American accents versus them? For how they speak in modern times. Let me start by saying that Ray Winstone as Dreykov sounded like he was only occasionally doing the accent, and then the rest <laughs> of the time just sounded like he was the standard, you know, yeah, just kind of East Ender or whatever. <laughs> but a, I don't actually speak Russian, so I don't know how accurate those sort of inflected accents were. But I kind of enjoyed how like. Yelena has an accent and Natasha doesn't because just of knowing when people acquire accents and stuff. Mm. And so Natasha is about the right age to have acquired an American accent. And Yelena's young enough that she would, if she were then in Russia, would then speak in a, with a Russian inflected accent. Oh, okay. Roughly. I mean, obviously it's not perfect in terms of like timing and peer groups and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. Yeah, because I was thinking about that with the parents. From what I remembered, I thought they sounded, you know, fairly American at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, well, that's because they're trying to blend in, you know, and not be outed as Russian agents immediately. So that's probably, yeah, it's not the kind of thing that they would be keeping up, like, however many. uh, 20 years later. 20 years later. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I see. So what did people think about the their plan to get into the red room and take care of it and stuff like the whole like switched identities and her knowing she has to deal with the pheromone thing and whatever people like that part did they think it was clever were they just like what's going on i thought it was a kind of a fresh way to do it i wasn't like uh oh i saw that coming you know i thought it was kind of a cool way to do it rather than just like okay we're sitting in this cottage or wherever planning things out and then we're going to do it like, you know, it's just the plan was kind of thrust upon us. And it provided for that uh, great moment with the light turning on after singing American Pie. So yeah. I liked the earpiece part of it where uh, Alexi <laughs> thought that he had an earpiece. He just assumed it and he started talking. Yeah. To... <laughs> he tried to get his heartfelt speech out yeah. so many times. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody was listening. I enjoyed it, yeah, because I like the way that it kept the audience 
in the dark, so to speak, as to like what the actual plan was. But then they would go back and actually kind of like demonstrate like, oh, the plan's actually going to like, you know, when you thought, oh, shoot, they've been, you know, foiled or whatever. It's like, oh, no, this is actually like what they're trying to accomplish. I, I thought that was really interesting. Oh, it's Knives Out now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you spoiling Knives Out for me? Uh, in the uh, flashbacks, I don't know. Out, like, guess, not really. You don't like yeah. that? You don't like the flashbacks? No, I think we were just saying that that's to the, the extent. Spoiler. Yeah, that's this the spoiler of Knives Out. Is like, oh yeah, there are some flashbacks in Knives Out. Oh, okay. Explaining things that are happening that you are shown. Oh, such good movies. There, yeah, there were. great. Go watch. Things. Go watch it so we can talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Both of them. My main thought was that I mean potentially. If Milena got COVID, she might have been able to just kill Drake off herself. Yeah, but this is like 2016. Oh, right. Because it's, uh, right. Because this is right around the time of Civil War. Yeah. Second part to our Charlie Doesn't Understand Movies section. All right. They switched places. Why did they do that? So that Natasha could get close enough to Drake off to kill him. Why did she have to do that? As opposed to... So she could Malena? finish the job, and they needed they needed uh, Milena down there to get everyone to out the, of to yeah. bring out the, of to bring the red room down. Yeah, right. to, okay. Yeah. That's the, uh, she knew she knew how to open doors and and everything. And she designed the the engines and yeah. stuff. I think she says or all something right. like that. That makes a little bit more sense. Like she had to be down there, but if they're all on board with killing him, I not I don't know if it mattered. That's right. I, I was a little bit surprised there. I was like. I mean, yeah, I wasn't expecting it, but I was also like, all right, I didn't quite get it for a while. And by for a while, I mean until now. <laughs> yeah, she says it like when she gets uh, the Red Guardian out, he's like, wait, how did, like, how did you know how to do this? Like, I, you know, I built this place. And then you kind of get the idea that, oh, that's the reason why she had to be down there. Then tells um, Yelena, like, okay, hey, look, you're going to go this way, that way, blah, blah, blah. And that's so, it. So yeah, I think that's you bad watching movies, Charlie. You must have been texting. Yeah. <laughs> now about the severing the nerve thing, though. <laughs> I was just hoping like she'd have to do it a few times. Like, oh, I missed. <laughs> Can do it again. So. <laughs> yeah, like just repeatedly slamming her. <laughs> Jacob's like, "What are you doing? <laughs> stop! Please stop!" <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm evil, but damn. <laughs> Does that just mean that from here on out, Natasha just couldn't smell, like, for the rest of her yeah, life? I guess. Sever the nerve. Uh, ish. I mean, there's potential for those nerves to grow back. Well, she reset it, you know, so everything should be good, right? <laughs> she brought them back <laughs> together. Just seems like a blunt trauma, yeah. Like yeah. I guess I guess that makes sense. It could heal. She unsevered uh, the nerve. Or just Two... make, create a painful neuroma in her forehead. Two wrongs <laughs> make a right. Two instances of massive head trauma cancel each other out. Oh. All right. Dr. Doug. Straightening out the nose <laughs> reconnects the nerves. That's that's what I'm I, I'll try that on away. my uh I'll try that on my hand. Uh, real talk though I guess I don't know for the olfactory nerve because that's essentially central nervous system peripheral nerves though 
when you injure them, they tend to die back to the spinal cord. And so it takes a real long time for them to grow, to die their way back, then grow their way back to the target. So don't that's expect, why they give you such a long tail of, uh, of healing after a carpal tunnel release. Well, I don't imagine they're actually uh, damaging the axon with carpal tunnel surgery, though. So Hopefully not. We'll see. Because otherwise you would be once paralyzed, probably. I think they just went through every movie that she's in that occurs after 2016 and made sure she didn't like smell a flower or something. Like, okay, <laughs> we can add that. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, oh, this food tastes so nuanced and delicious. <laughs> yeah, that's why she was using natural peanut butter in Endgame, because she couldn't taste how bad it is. <laughs> if I only care about texture <laughs> and bulk bulk taste, then why not just eat uh, eat healthy? <laughs> Even though the ending is one of these like giant thing crashing into the surface of the planet, like a lot of these movies, I did enjoy the sort of midair. I don't know if fight is the right word, but you know, just her like catching Yelena and then dealing with Taskmaster and stuff like that. Like I really, I thought that was an exciting set piece. I enjoyed that. What did everyone else yeah, think I about that, it? I thought that was cool. Everything would have been okay if she would have just like waited a while to pull the parachute. You know, just like let it get a little closer <laughs> to the surface, but I, it, but it all worked out, which is what matters. They, I liked how they let us see Drakeoff engulfed in flames, <laughs> so we know that he's dead, even if they yeah, could like the physically see it. Off, we like, can. Yep. I thought a lot of the fight sequences in general were really good, really well choreographed. Like the um, the sequence when the two Yelena and Natasha meet in the safe house. It's such an awesome fight scene because they're so evenly matched that they're literally fighting the exact same way towards each other the entire time until one fight like even to the point where they both have the curtain wrapped around each other's necks and it's like who's going to pass it out first it's basically what the contest came to because they just kept literally matching each other blow for blow and i thought that was really well done i like how Drakov has a lazy boy in his uh evil there so he can watch the world burn in comfort <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was trying to spot that from that moment on but i don't think they showed a good shot of it again <laughs> yeah just like a green lazy boy <laughs> a martin crane sort of situation <laughs> yeah i don't care what the rest of the room looks like we're bringing the chair <laughs> sometimes you just gotta prioritize comfort <laughs> the room may be red they didn't say the furniture had to be <laughs> it's true, it's true. So what's something about this movie you like that we haven't talked about yet? One thing that I liked is when Yelena shoots the rocket launcher at the guy in the tower and starts an avalanche. And she's like, oh, this would be a cool way to die. I enjoyed that moment a lot. <laughs> There's a callback when she's laying on the table and she's like, this is not a cool way to die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're going to like what, like take her brain out to like look at her memory. I don't I didn't know what didn't understand that part. <laughs> To figure out why she could overcome the yeah the conditioning, they're probably going to take it out and then uh, you slice it up and basically you know, stain it, look at the slices under a microscope. You know, pretty standard stuff. So she's going to be dead. Yeah, yeah. This this does kill the patient. <laughs> <laughs> 
I like that they were gonna do that while she was like still in like her full combat attire with yeah. knife. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why wait? You know, <laughs> like. I guess if it kills the patient, there's no need for all the pesky surgery prep stuff. <laughs> yeah, they don't do the the anesthesiologist come in and tell you, all right, so this is how we're going <laughs> to... Just was... use a Crayola marker to mark her head off. Yeah, good enough. It's like a China marker, yeah. <laughs> Just... I was watching this with a little bit of a different viewing experience because I watched it with the subtitles on, which was interesting because there were a couple of jokes that were lost in the Russian that they were saying. And they were in the safe house and she was explaining how the chemicals worked with the brain and 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 it got very scientific. And Natasha looks at her and she goes, in English next time. And she, Yelena looks at her and starts saying the exact same thing in Russian. Oh. And, and oh. <laughs> I lost it because I was like, wait, what? So she's just speaking in Russian and... and Natasha's looking at her. She's like, yeah, that's really funny. And then, you know, they moved on. It was just throwaway. And the only reason I caught it was because I was watching it with the subtitles and recognized it was the exact same speech in Russian. And then that same thing happens every once in a while. Like there are these Russian jokes that get thrown out there that you don't even know because they don't subtitle them. There was a lot of couple of little bits of things that if you didn't catch on to it, there were jokes that were lovingly placed within the, within the uh, Russian comments. So my favorite part, of the movie came immediately before my least favorite part of the movie. When shield trucks got blown up. (laughs) That was was a highlight for sure. No, it's when uh, we get to see Florence Pugh and Julie Louis Dreyfus in a scene together. And it made me hopeful for future things. I'm like, ah, I would like to see them both in something maybe together Uh, or maybe, maybe not. And I don't know because I haven't seen any of the movies after this. (laughs) So maybe I don't have much to hope about. Well, I don't know. My feeling watching it at the time, when they show the picture of Hawkeye, I was like, there's a Hawkeye show coming out. This is just Disney Plus TV show That's ads. my least favorite part. <laughs> I haven't watched Hawkeye, so that's the question I texted Kevin. But I, Kevin did not get back to me. I'm guessing he his phone is dead. But I was like, is this related to Hawkeye, the TV show, or is this setting up something further down the line? And I don't know the answer to that. But it super frustrated me that she's like, here's the man that killed your sister. You should go kill him. And I'm like, all right, what sort of weird, stupid, convoluted thing are they going to have to set up so that she knows for sure that Hawkeye killed her, but doesn't know the context of the rest of it? <laughs> right? It's like, oh, my goodness. Gonna do some well, some it, acrobatics to get there. A, yeah. Out of a classic rom com misunderstanding. <laughs> <laughs> well, Valentina's kind of. I don't know if evil's quite the right word, but yeah, I don't know. Or I don't know. Manipulative, I suppose. Yeah, I like the guy who uh, gets a hold of the the aircraft and such. Who was that? The credits called him like Rick Mason or something like that. Oh yeah. Okay, so he's yeah. not like established. He's like an original. He's he's an OC for this movie. No, he is apparently like a Shield character who's no. When I looked him up, he's, he was known as like the agent. Oh, okay. So he's like okay. That's I liked him. He's I a thought. general contractor, Paul. He's a <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like that he's a work hard, uh, play hard. You know, work hard and rest kind of guy. 
Uh, O.T. Bogbenley looks like his name, like the actor's name. Yeah, I like that he kept asking for more money. And, you know, he's like, I need more time and more money, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You want this to to look the way you want it, you know. (laughs) Yeah, and then they they gave him time and money. Came up with an Avengers Quinjet. Hey, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens, you know, when you uh, you don't value engineer everything out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we didn't talk about him, and you're right. He was also an enjoyable part of the movie. I agree. I really enjoyed the the comedy, like, just throughout. Ever since the end of Smells Like Teen Spirit, the mood just kind of rises throughout the movie. There's, there's, There's so many lines that Yelena says that I... She's just so quick paced that it's tough right now to even think of like like what my favorite or even a line is. Like it just it it was so good. I loved the period line that she talks about when he says something about is it your time of the month when he's just the worst line you can say to two women. Her <laughs> response to him so dryly is I don't get my period dip. I like that he got uncomfortable really quickly about it. I don't, <laughs> don't want to talk about this. Like, stop. <laughs> well, I was going to talk about fallopian tubes, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, la, 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 la. <laughs> Which I think is such a beautiful moment in that movie. <laughs> because every woman watching that understands. And every guy watching it has the exact reaction that you guys are having right now. <laughs> my reaction i feel like was like with women like oh my god like that that's what we're doing now and i was i liked the fact that she just like leaned into it and yep. it wasn't the same old same old joke and I, I that's what i thought they were going for at first and i was like oh my god like really <laughs> yeah maybe we should just mention real quick that this movie is directed by a woman kate shortland uh i think we kind of touched on it but I really enjoyed the fight choreography throughout the movie. It's got this nice kind of like Metal Gear Solid feel to it. All of the uh, punching and blocking and just the way that they do it and grappling just very like well done throughout. I agree with you. And I will say watching one of the Taskmaster fights, the thought definitely crossed my mind of like, oh, she should just plug into controller port two. (laughs) <laughs> then taskmaster won't know what moves are coming up that's a metal gear solid joke for y'all out there which i still have that question of like how before like how does someone figure out that that's how you get past psycho mantis well he does he does play mind games with you before uh, that like related to the memory card you might have in so like are you, you guys know that he can... metal gear solid for me right now yes yes yep uh, strongly strongly recommend that you have other co- save game files for other Konami games on your memory card when you reach that point of the game because it doesn't just it, like it actually gives you commentary on your save files yeah like talk to you about Sui Koden right yep <laughs> it's like oh you like to save a lot huh I'm like yeah wow <laughs> So ultimately, what would you think of the movie? Would you break it out of prison and uh, somewhere in Siberia, or would you just leave it there to arm wrestle people forever? I guess I'm just asking, how many glowing red vials out of 10 would you give this movie? So for not seeing the movie um, and not really knowing what to expect, uh, especially after Endgame, I didn't really think too much about 
um, any of the MCU, the Marvel movies that were coming up. So I thought it was really enjoyable. I thought that there were a lot of like very dark topics that were covered, but I thought they did a really good job of making it entertaining, full of action, um, really good, you know, comedic relief. So um, for me, I think actually I went up on the grading after going through the podcast and talking it out with you all because um just i guess that was just kind of my mood um so i'm gonna give it an eight i forget what we're giving it but uh, i'll do eight i thought that it was a very solid movie not my favorite not my least favorite but um very good altogether. glowing red vials glowing red vials yeah with the stuff that has the cure in it the red mist oh okay i'll give it eight cures eight robert smiths yeah. From the cures. <laughs> From the cure, yeah. <laughs> That's the song they could have played. <laughs> Which song? I can't think of it. Just like heaven? Or love song. Maybe it's love song. I think it's love song, the one that yeah. was. Like. Uh this one's really tough to rate. I mean, it's basically MCU does a Bond movie with a bit of Metal Gear Solid thrown in. So and... perfect. Right? It should be. <laughs> It really when they play, it smells like darn teen well should no I <laughs> I I've always that is your like complaint ever. that is not my complaint you wait until it's your turn to say your your piece yes sir um, sorry sir <laughs> no the the part that they really kind of biffed it on was uh, I think that overall the movie would have been more impactful if it had come out like three years earlier like actually between civil war and end game like it doesn't it just feels like a vestigial appendage at this point when when it came out which yeah. is a real shame oh, like just a movie like, that you can watch on its own well uh, right? i don't know that we really yeah. talked about this but, but this is ostensibly the start of phase four of the mcu but it really feels like it should have been part of the previous set of movies like doug said just said and I really can't forgive them for what they did to Taskmaster. So I think I'm going to have to give this one an eight. Eight? Eight vials out of ten. Wait, eight? Eight. Eight. Eight? eight? Now it feels like you're saying something else backwards. <laughs> eight? 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 Join the Navy? <laughs> Yeah, they should have done the Yvonnette Niage song in the beginning, right, Adam? <laughs> hey, that have worked. <laughs> I also find this a bit hard to rate and just that I'm vacillating between two scores because, you know, I think in general the movie is really well done. Like, for me, it doesn't really drag at any point. There aren't really any points where I'm like, okay, this is getting just ridiculous. That said, yeah, I really don't like the Smells Like Teen Spirit cover. It feels wildly inappropriate. And if it turns out that the post credit scene is teasing like some future movie, like Thunderbolts or something, then okay, fine. But if it really is just like, hey, watch Hawkeye soon on Disney Plus. I mean, I think in general, I find it annoying that Phase 4 is has so many television shows that you're expected to watch. Which, hey, uh, I hear Phase 5, they're going to slow that way down. So maybe that's something good at least but so i'm really going between eight and 8.5 i'm just looking at my other ratings like i really 
don't know where this fits. Like, yeah, I enjoyed this, I think, as much as, like, the Wolverine. But did I enjoy it as much as Ant-Man or Iron Man 3? Like, that I don't know. So, I guess I'm just going to go with my gut. And maybe this will change later. But I'll just go with my gut, which is also what everyone else is doing. And I'll just say 8 glowing red vials out of 10. Yeah, I could probably be talked into 8.5 if someone really wanted to try offline. But yeah, it's a good movie. It's definitely an enjoyable movie, like, for sure. Like, don't get me wrong. It's just not a perfect movie. So yeah, I I really liked this. Yeah, it just had a lot of elements that just felt like they were sort of fresh. That Bond movie feel, the great sister dynamic, really cool action scenes, good choreographed fight scenes held my interest pretty well through the whole thing it it feels a little more standalone to me and which kind of maybe feels like it gives it a little less weight but also i kind of enjoy that to some extent as well just kind of having uh something that feels a little more standalone even though it's not totally standalone but has a lot of that feel to it um so i think i will give this i'm gonna say 8.5 uh red vials out of 10. Uh, so this is a Charlie review return to form. Uh, you may yes. remember this kind of review from me for, for a while ago. For you to come back. You're going to complain I, so about happy. something and then give it a high rating anyway? Oh, not that one. <laughs> no, the, the reverse of that? <laughs> that, that yeah, kind of. Form, yeah, right? it's like the reverse. Which is uh, So things I like about this movie. I love Florence Pugh. I like David Harbour. I think they both do a great job especially comedically I, I appreciate the humor and the story but it just none of it really coheres for me at all it just doesn't i understand what they're trying to do it just doesn't work for me because it's you've got this really tonally dark movie about like child trafficking and the way the humor butts up against it is just really weird like if they had separated a little bit more but there's i mean you all mentioned the scene like in the plane talking about you know uterus and fallopian tubes and i i appreciated that that is a funny s- setup for a joke but then they start immediately about the part where they had that ripped out of them like they've essentially been tortured and it's just and then the whole thing i think i described earlier about them being a family like a found family but also been given up this sort of life i it's just I appreciated like individual parts of the movie, but it did not come together to me. It just felt weird the whole time. I'm going to give this a 6.5 out of 10, which is, I, it was really hard going through the ratings too, because there's like a lot of parts I like, but I just don't like all of the parts together as a movie. I'd be excited to see the characters again doing something else, but 6.5 red vials out of 10. That's lower than I thought you were going to go, and you were kind of talking positively throughout the- yeah so it's like a reverse charlie <laughs> no i i i do see what he's saying i mean i understand because i was ready to give it a seven the humor yeah when i when we first started talking and then as we started talking it's like oh it's actually more entertaining than i thought so i mean i i understand what you're saying it is tough to pinpoint i guess so that's why i was like yeah, oh, and that's not, definitely wanna... me admitting like this doesn't work for me like the tone yeah. Um, butting up against each other but i appreciate the individual elements of it i just can't believe charlie didn't enjoy a feel-good movie about human trafficking like that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> i agree there you go charlie yeah i don't know what other story they're supposed to tell with these characters but 
if all of that stuff had been different, I think the humor would have played a lot better for me. So do you want a darker movie? No, it's again, it's just execution. Like you can have a dark movie with a lot of humor in it. It's just it just didn't work. All right. Well, Brianne, your rebuttal. Well, no, I just I find it interesting because that dark humor, because you had mentioned about, you know, the conversation and the plane and the talking about it so violently. When I see a lot of that humor at work. It's a way that people cope with the traumas that they have suffered in their past or the horrible things that they are seeing. It's a it's a coping mechanism. And I find it interesting because for me, it didn't even phase me. I can see where you're coming from with it. But that humor, a lot of that comes from how severe these people have been treated, especially especially Natasha and Yelena. That humor, while it can feel graphic to the outside and it does, it's cringeworthy to some points is a way for them to cope to for them to make light of the horrific things that they have seen and gone through in their life that's a good point that i hadn't really thought about either i mean that is that's certainly the angle they're probably coming from i hadn't thought about that like if you think about humor (laughs) well and and they have a shared experience right so when you have that shared experience you're gonna you know be able to talk about things more in depth and be and they're they're gonna be able to like understand the quote-unquote humor in it right like to try and cope Um, they they understand where they're coming from like all of you guys this was actually a really hard one for me to rate as well and i didn't talk too much about this because it i loved the movie i have talked about that i loved the dynamic between the two sisters it feels very genuine it feels very authentic um you can tell that there's chemistry i love the family dynamic as dysfunctional as it is they do have a family unit of some sort um and there's just so many great moments but there are a couple of things in the movie that are hard for me to get past one of them and this is what i really didn't i didn't talk about in too much depth but it's a very common trope this idea of women breaking out from under the control of men and i kind of felt like they could have been a little bit more original not sure how they could have got it but it just felt a little used like it's the same idea so it's like i like this movie i love this movie but i don't want to rate it a 10 or even a 9 and i'm not quite sure why and i think that's part of it if i think doug mentioned something where if this movie took place back at the same time as like civil, war or, civil war because it right, starts right after right i think i would be actually rating this higher because we've seen captain marvel it was a great movie. We've already we're starting to see more and more of these female superheroes. Had this movie been at that time, I think it would have really shook things up. But what's also hard is we already know what happens to Natasha. So there's nothing like you already know she's going to make it through. There's no threat. There's no feeling that there's no danger to that because you already know how that part's going to end. So really killing any of them off may not have really spurred anything, but you are, you're not really invested in it because you already know what's going to happen. You already know the outcome. Unless they replaced her with a life model decoy. And it turns out that's what died on Vormir. And Oh goodness. Wait, robots um, souls? I hope they don't. <laughs> I, I really hope they don't go to, you know what I mean? <laughs> to comic um, book. Right. And it makes me also sad that I'm not going to see the dynamic in theory between the two sisters anymore. Right. That's also not going to come up unless they do another throwback movie, which makes me sad because I loved that dynamic. Yeah. So it's hard for me to rate this movie without thinking about all of these other parts of it. And so while I enjoyed the movie, I thought it was beautifully choreographed. I thought the dynamics were great. There were a couple of things that kind of pushed the rating down to about 
I'm going to say an 8.5. It's not quite up there with Men in Black, but it's definitely not as low as I think I did Ghost Rider or Electra. Ghost Rider 2. Ghost Rider 2, excuse me. You gave it 2. I Which I gave, to it, gave it 2. So it's definitely higher than Ghost Rider 2 and higher than Electra. High praise. So thanks everyone for joining us on installment 72 of the Merry Marvel Movie March. I guess instead of a reboot, we're just going to press forward with March Madness and head to our next movie, which is the September 2021 release, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So we hope you join us for that. I'm Adam Gobeski. And I'm Charlie Wallace. A special thanks to our four widowed guests. <laughs> We've got Paul Wilcox. It was great. Brianne Gobeski. Oh. <laughs> 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 what was that? William Shatner? <laughs> it's great to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Brianne Gobeski. I had a great time. Thanks. Doug Gobeski. Thanks for having me. And Tony Huff. I'm glad to be back. <laughs> We're glad to have you back. Joke's on you. Charlie's script will remove those pauses. He's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no AI editing now. I, I, know, like I, know, I know you're cutting corners over there. <laughs> Doug, that just means I have to add them back in, which is more work for me. <laughs> Exactly. You just won't do it. Yeah, we've, we've talked to Sydney. She told us. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening to the show. Make sure to check out GobeskiWallaceReport.com. We've got lots of exciting opportunities for you to entertain yourself there. Oh, I thought you were talking about job opportunities. The job opportunities we have don't pay, so they're really more of unpaid internships. And you can follow us on Twitter, at GW Report, and you can like us on Facebook. So if you're looking for an internship, talk to Charlie. An unpaid internship that gives no letter of recommendation. Just the satisfaction of a job well done. But you can stay at Charlie's house. Um, all right. I just think that the song should have been Voodoo. Which song does that remind me? Isn't that about heroin use? I'm not the one who's so far away. (laughs) Oh, gotcha. (laughs) What's the next line? When I feel the stack bite into my brain. (laughs) I mean, it would have been as appropriate as what they chose. Is it brain or is it vain? I don't know, man. I'm just... I'm anyway, going, pretty sure not, that song's about heroin use. Not really appropriate. Oh, yeah, right. Because so talking about, uh, as opposed to loading up your guns and bringing your friends. I think that voodoo would be an appropriate level of anachronistic for the, you know, it'd be a Stranger Things level of musical and time <laughs> anachronism. <laughs> I think it should have been, you know, Blink-182 slowed down. I guess this is growing up, or whatever that <laughs> happens. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I guess it's growing up. <laughs>